let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. They always say trust your gut, but one time my gut told me to bleach my eyebrows and that was fashionable, but not widely well-received. While probiotics can't help you with most of your gut decisions, it can give your gut a little bit of support and Ritual has your back. They made a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Did you know daily disturbances like poor diets, stress, travel, the use of certain medications, and plenty of other factors can throw off your gut microbiome? Oh, no. Enter Ritual. Their Symbiotic Plus has been a gorgeous tool. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash curious. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash curious for 25% off. Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness. And every week, I sit down for a 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm re-airing an episode from July 2019 with dermatologist Dr. Emily Newsom, where I ask her, does sun protection have that it factor? 
Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. I'm so excited on this episode. We're going to talk about skin, sunscreen, and what is going on. So to do that, we've got Dr. Emily Newsom, a dermatologist, a literal doctor. <laughs> How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for coming. So basically, you went to school and then you went to med school and then you became a dermatologist. Yes. Which a dermatologist is? We specialize in anything having to do with skin, hair, and nails. Skin, hair. So you're basically the cosmetologist of the doctors. Yes. But it's not all glamorous, but... Yes, we do anything, having any kind of rashes or disease of the skin, skin cancer. Well, I've got the psoriasis. Yes, so we treat psoriasis. We hate the psoriasis. It's very annoying. Um, But really what I was curious about is I'm always talking about sunscreen and how important it is and, you know, protecting our skin, et cetera, et cetera. But then just like a few weeks ago, the FDA came out and said that it does actually go straight into our bloodstreams. Now I'm feeling a little nervy that I've been telling like everyone and their mom to wear sunscreen all the time, but honey, I want to keep the skin looking gorgeous. So just wanted to check in on like the concerns about sunscreen, what you think is great about sunscreen. Like, should I just be like taking a parasol with me everywhere I go? Should I just be wearing like head to toe, like body leotards in the sun? Like (laughs) what do we need to be doing? Yes. So I am obsessed with sunscreen also, and I really appreciate that you spread the word on sunscreen. And um, it's, it's really interesting. This article that came out, um, basically the FDA did a study because they want to look more into the safety of sunscreen, which is good. We want to get more information. Uh, Basically, what the study showed is that sunscreen is absorbed into our blood. You know, it's absorbed through our skin into our blood, just like a lot of things. Anything we put on our skin gets absorbed. Uh, So So anything we put on our skin is going to get absorbed into our blood. Yes. So many things, you know, preservatives from all different creams, you know, if you looked at the blood concentration, you would find it. Um, so, so that's how they figured that out is because like they tested the blood of the people that used sunscreen like four times a day or whatever the parameters yes, were. Exactly. Yeah. They had 24 people. So it was a pretty small study. They had them using sunscreen four times a day to their 75% of their body. And then they tested their blood, you know, several times. So cue about this blood absorption from our skin. So like, Here's my skin. She's gorgeous. I have hair growing out of her. P.S. Sidebar. I saw this, like, picture of skin under a microscope, and I almost threw up. It looked like the Grand Canyon. It looked so nasty. It was so crazy, like, so cavernous and full of, like, deep, deep, very, like, Grand Canyon-esque lines. Are you familiar with this, like, microscope look of skin that I'm talking about? Yeah, so I use the microscope to look at skin all the time. What the fuck is it all? So all up close, she's just like a big old Grand Canyon. It's, yeah, it's a very complex organ with lots of different structures. How does the stuff that we put on those canyons and our skin get into our bloodstream? Yeah, so basically the, the, whatever topical you're putting on your skin, it just gets absorbed through the skin. And then we have blood vessels that are right under the skin and it gets absorbed. Now, what's important to note about this study is that it didn't show any harmful effects. It didn't show any toxicity. It didn't show anything harmful. All it showed is that it's absorbed. The sunscreen's absorbed. So, but like, there's your epidemic. 
epidermis, yes. which is our outer layer most. Yeah, exactly. So they, you have the epidermis, the dermis, and then the subcutaneous fat. And within the epidermis, there's several layers. So the very top layer is called the stratum corneum. That's what protects us from the outside world. So that's the kind of harder layer. When you exfoliate, what you're doing is you're taking off your stratum corneum. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So like when I exfoliate in the shower, like my stratum corneum is like gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you exfoliate a lot. Wow, interest. Or just kind of like makes it like half gone, so it makes it yeah. seem a little smoother or something. Exactly. Like you like abrased like some of your stratum corneum. <laughs> exactly. Strat- stratum corneum. Stratum corneum. Yeah. So then what's underneath that? So underneath that is, you know, the rest of the epidermis. Just and layers and layers. There's certain layers. Yeah, there's the basal layer, there's the spinous layer, granular layer, and... Stratum lucidum. So there's like five layers. And then like underneath all this skin, like if you were just like to peel our skin back, is it just like gross like ligaments and bones and stuff? Like, or is it just like blood floating around everywhere? Like in there? Like, yeah. So uh, um, after epidermis is the dermis, which that is basically like plump pink collagen. And then um, underneath that is the subcutaneous fat. And that's like the yellow. Is that like yeah. yellow? Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, is it like underneath our that muscles? Is the fascia that covers the muscles and tendons. So when you were in med school, did you have to like literally dissect people, like dead people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh my the God. first week of med school is like how you're broken in. You get your cadaver and you start doing dissections in anatomy lab. Do so. you remember your cadaver? Yeah, very well. So we do this thing where you kind of thank the cadaver and you or that person for donating their body, allowing us to learn. And then at the end of the course, we do a ceremony where we even invite the families and kind of thank them for like allowing us to learn. And then you like bury them, them somewhere or we like cremate them or something? I believe they cremate them. You're just like, bye, Carol. Thank you so much. So much. Like, oh my God, Emily. Doc- oh, wait, Dr. Newsom. You can call me Emily. No, Dr. Newsom. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, actually, what do you prefer? Uh, either one is fine. I, I like Dr. Newsom. It's so major, you know? <laughs> actually, no, I won't be able to stick to it. I'll just call you Emily. Unless you prefer Dr. Newsom, then I totally will. It seems either like we're cool. Way, yeah, it seems great. It's all good. So, okay. So, but it showed that it wasn't toxic. Right. So, basically, their conclusion was we need further study to determine if there is a toxic effect. And the main thing I want people to take away from this is, you know, the, we know that The UV radiation from the sun is toxic. It's carcinogenic. It causes skin cancer. So I don't want my biggest fear with this article is I don't want people to use this as an excuse not to protect themselves from the sun. Because with sunscreen, we it's been used for decades and decades and we don't have any good established science to show that it actually causes harm. We should look into it more and we should investigate it. But the alternative of not protecting your skin, we know is extremely harmful. And I see it every day. I, I find skin cancer every, every day. Which really the main aggravate or is the main cause of most skin cancer, long-term sun exposure, just like repeated yes, sun exposure? it accumulates over time. So the UV damages the DNA in our skin cells and those DNA, those mutations in our DNA accumulate over time. And that's what cancer is, is the accumulation of mutations. Oh, yeah, because then they start like splitting uncontrollably or whatever. Exactly, yeah. Wow. And then some people are just like maybe more predisposed to it. So like the more sun exposure, like some people can maybe not develop a a skin cancer from certain sun exposure, but then other people would. Yeah. So some risk factors are, you know, having lighter skin, having red hair, blue eyes, green eyes, like skin that freckles easily. Oh, my God, I have that. Family history. But, you know, 
just because you have darker skin doesn't mean you can't get it. It's less likely, but it's definitely possible. Well, and that is that is like something that be, like that the darker the skin is, the that you don't need to use sunscreen. I feel like I've heard that wives tale a lot. Yeah, and that's definitely wrong. I mean, no matter what color your skin is, you still should protect it from the sun. And do you think that because of that, like, do is there like an increase in any certain group of people for new occurrences of skin cancer? Yeah, especially in the Hispanic um, community, there's a big rise in in skin cancer, especially a type called pigmented basal cell. And so really it's just like spreading the awareness of like, no, like we need to use sunscreen because like it, it is. So what do you think are like the safest, least toxic sunscreens out there? Yeah, great question. So, you know, for anyone that is concerned about the chemical sunscreens getting into your bloodstream, I say, you know, if you don't want to use it, that's fine. Just use the the mineral sunscreens, which are zinc oxide, titanium dioxide, those are physical sunscreens. They reflect the UV rather than absorbing the UV. Yeah, can you explain to us the difference between that piece too? Sure, sure. Yeah, so there's basically two categories of sunscreen. There's the chemical sunscreens, which they were originally actually came from the paint industry. They were to stabilize the paint from, you know, photo changing the color from the, the UV. Uh, That's kind of scare, scare a little tiny bit. Yeah, it actually came from the paint industry, but this was like way back in the day. And then they were formulated for topical use. Like softening it and like refining the product. Yes. So those were, those are the chemical sunscreens and that's things like oxybenzone, avobenzone. And those are the ones that the molecule absorbs the sun, the UV. It absorbs the UV instead of your skin. And then you like wash them the stuff off in it. But is that, were those the chemicals that the study was studying? Like not yes, the physical they were, ones? Yeah, it was only looking at the chemical sunscreens. And was it both of those two chemicals it that it looked at? It was looking at four uh, chemical sunscreens, including oxybenzone, which is one of the most common ones. Is there, is for the total amount that there is or is no, there actually there's, more? there's more. So the FDA, they basically came out saying that, you know, the, the physical blockers, which are the mineral based, are are known to be very safe. And then there are 12 ingredients that they think need more investigation. Um, and that's what the and FDA four said. Of these were four of the, or three of the four were on that list of 12. And then what does the EU say about like the European Union? And cause I know that the European Union and European Union and then Canada have a lot of like different requirements, like what can and can't be in their topical products that we do not have in America. Yes. Well, that's a great question. So there are actually some newer sunscreens that's, that are newer technology that cover a broader spectrum of light that are available in Europe and other countries like Australia that haven't been FDA approved. So the FDA is very vigorous. They are wanting the manufacturers to do more studies in order to approve these new sunscreens. What are those ones in the EU and Australia that uh, protect Mexoril and they they have some long chemical names but, but those are more but they're chemical ones. barriers they're, not They're physical. newer more modern chemicals. Newer more modern chemicals. Chemical sunscreens and those ones have not been approved in the US. But what about the four that we tested that we have here are those four allowed in the EU and mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in the the other thing to answer your question is that you know how we have SPF in this yes. country. In Europe, they have a different system that is it's actually like slightly better because it's looking more at the broad broader spectrum because SPF only looks at UVB, and then the way we do the packaging now in the U.S. is it'll say SPF and it'll say broad spectrum, but in in Europe their system is a little bit different and the, they're 
their numbers are looking a little bit, it's looking at a broader coverage, a broader wavelength of light. So UVA and UVB. And why does ours only cover UVB? Oh, good question. So originally we thought UVB was the only thing that was bad for the skin. We thought UVA is fine. That's why tanning beds are UVA. And we used, they used to say, oh, UVA is fine. But now we know that UVA, while it doesn't cause sunburns as much, it we, there's a lot more UVA that we're exposed to. Plus it goes through window glass where UVB doesn't. So that's why we're getting, you know, so much from the car and windows. And so now we know that UVA is harmful, too. So that's why you, you want to look for the words broad spectrum. So, you know, you're getting some UVA coverage. OK, wait. So we're going to take a really p- quick break. We're going to be right back with more uh, Dr. Emily Newsom right after the break. If you're like me, the threat of fascism is weighing on you this year. But even when the F word is uttered, way too few of us are considering the full scope of the danger, let alone how to really stop it. The Refuse Fascism podcast hosted by Sam Goldman names it, dissects it, and connects in-depth analysis of what fascism is with the understanding and urgency we need to defeat it. And she is joined by great guests to discuss the threat of civil war, attacks on abortion rights and trans rights, Trump and the theocrats, Project 2025, efforts to erase history and critical thinking, and much more. Check out recent episodes featuring Kathleen Ballou, Jeff Charlotte, Sarah Posner, Wajahat Ali, Dahlia Lithwick, and many more. Subscribe to the Refuse Fascism podcast on your listening platform of choice or go to refusefascism.org slash podcast. Ooh, honey, the weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I needed to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Honey, these premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, they're giving you washable silk tops. I love the quality of their fabrics. It really is stunning. Oh my God. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash curious for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash curious to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash curious. Welcome back to Getting Curious. It's Jonathan Van Ness. We're talking all things skin, SPF, um, sun protection, skin cancer, all the things. So with the chemical things and the new ones, there's like some new ones on, on the block, but the FDA has not like approved those ones, but it does want to do further testing into the 12 that we currently use in America. Yes. But then it is a doctor, which you mm. are. Do you think that the physical barriers are a safer way to go and, and do those not get absorbed into the skin? Right. Yeah. They just sit on top of the skin. And they're derived from minerals. So I think, you know, if you are concerned, I definitely think they're the safest way to go. Um, The only thing that people don't like about them is they don't rub in as well and they tend to be kind of whitish. Oh. So that's why people like the chemical sunscreens because they are a little more elegant. They rub in nicer. But however, there's a lot of new technology with the mineral sunscreens. There's tinted formulations. There's powders. There's... 
sprays and a do lot you, of different things. Do you notice any difference with those? Like, because I have definitely seen those like mineral powders, like where you mm-hmm. like kind of pump the brush and then apply it as like a translucent powder. Yeah. Do you like those? Yeah, I love those. They're, they're great. And then what about like reapplication? Because like how like do mineral ones versus chemical applications like require more or less? And are they affected by like sweat and water differently? Uh, they all need reapplication and they're all affected by sweat and water. So a few years ago, they the FDA changed the labeling so they're not allowed to use the word waterproof anymore. They have to say water resistant and for how many minutes, but really none of it is waterproof. So if you're really, if you're going to be swimming, I recommend wearing a rash guard and, you know, using something What's else. What's a rash guard? Like a swimming shirt. Oh, or just like what I like to do when I'm on vacay is I always have like an umbrella on the beach mm-hmm. and then I just like swim with my top off, but then I'm really like chilling under the umbrella. Yeah. So seeking shade is good, but there are studies showing that just seeking shade alone isn't enough. So really? Why? Because UVA and UVB can get through there? They don't. Well, I, I don't know exactly why. There's just a study that showed that, you know, the seeking shade helps, but it wasn't quite enough as doing the sunscreen and seeking shade. What about seeking shade and a towel over your shoulders underneath the thing. I say do it all. Like, if you see me at the beach, I have, I'm completely covered in sunscreen. I'm covered up. I have big hat, big sunglasses, umbrella. So, like, I'm not really going to, like, is a, is a dermatologist, <laughs> like, you're not taking sun? Like, you're not no. laying out in the sun? No. Because, I mean, I have to admit, I did it when I was a teenager, and stuff like that. But now I just see so much skin cancer. And then going back to the microscope, you know, when I look at my patients, even when I remove their skin cancer, when I see their quote normal skin, that sun damaged skin is, it looks so different under the microscope. I can see how much the collagen has been damaged and that's what leads to the wrinkling. So what does it look like when it's been damaged? So there's something called solar elastosis, which is basically chopped up collagen and elastin and you can see how much sun damage they have by how much how far down the solar elastosis goes so it goes down a few millimeters and then there's healthy collagen underneath that does that look like just like little cubes like healthy little cubes Um, under the microscope or something well the healthy collagen is kind of pink and plump little rope kind of like fat ropes and then the um the solar elastosis is kind of purplish gray and it's all broken up and not in like nice ropes interest okay Mm -hmm. so what about this you fall asleep (laughs) on the damn beach you wake up with that sunburn from hell vacations fucking ruined Mm. is there a way to like fix the sun damage or like once it's there is it always there like can we minimize like the risk of like maybe that mole getting the sun exposure and then turning into cancer or anything like or so like cancer like risk uh risk management and like actual burn risk management like how can we get those little ropies plumper and like the collagen healthier faster after a sunburn okay good question so first I'll talk about what to do if you do get a sunburn so when you have a sunburn your skin is going to be really dry so you're going to need a lot of moisture you know a lot of moisture you want to replenish all the moisture um so lots and lots of moisturizer you could take ibuprofen you know if you're okay with taking ibuprofen something like that so because it's anti-inflammatory so if your skin's literally inflamed from yeah, that from the you know it's like it's a burn it's an acute uv radiation burn it's an acute uv radiation burn what about more water intake does that matter yeah you want to stay hydrated yeah so definitely. like affecting like does your level of 
like water intake and like what we choose to eat and drink, like how much does that affect the appearance of our skin? Like, do you feel like you're like alcoholic clients who are like smelling super boozy at like 1030 in the morning, like for no apparent reason? Do you feel like their skin's a little bit more dry and busted than like the people who don't drink her? Like what lifestyle yeah. things do you think lead to like some busted looking ropes of skin under the microphone <laughs> or microscope? Uh, definitely smoking. Yes, yeah, smoking. Yeah. What about weed? <laughs> Not that I smoke that that much. Well, any kind of smoke isn't. Great, are you sure? I mean, yeah, yeah, I believe you. I believe you. You're a fucking doctor. (laughs) Do the, the, like, gummies or whatever. (laughs) But that's THCV, which we learned on the podcast with this doctor who studies marijuana. And because this, it's true. The weed that we smoke, it it affects your bloodstream differently Differently. than the THCV because that goes through your liver. And the liver, I'm just kind of like a bit tired and I'm a little bit groggy. And I like that that good old fashioned burning in my chest. Well, just like if I smoked weed, you know, everything in moderation, like, she. It's not like you can never have sugar again, but just try to like keep it in moderation. Okay, but wait. So the sunburn. I interrupted you. I didn't mean to. So you get the sunburn. We want to do lots of moisturizer. Now, what if you're someone who doesn't use moisturizer typically, but you should be like, what, like in case of a sunburn, like do you stand by like a, one of those like synthetic green aloe, like after sunburn things? Or do you think just like a Curel is great or like just get it from an actual leaf of aloe? Like what do you suggest? Yeah, I mean, I just... As far as moisturizer, it's kind of a personal choice. Whatever feels good to you, whatever you're going to put on, I say go for it. You know. Is there any ingredients as a doctor that you see on the back of things? You're like, oh, I'm good on that. Like, are you like, do you see your clear parabens? With do you- a lot of fragrance, I just find that tends to irritate the skin. So I'm not big on fragrance. Um, what about a paraben? Paraben is a... Uh, preservative that's in so many of our products like to avoid parabens is really really hard but they're not allowed in Europe I feel like there's three there's like the ethyl paraben Paul like ethyl there's but like because like not to like shout out a particular skincare company in case well actually no I wouldn't really sell for them because I will do it it's SK2 water their Mm -hmm. first three ingredients are google the first three ingredients of um of SK2 water, just so I make sure I'm not like throwing them under the bus. But I'm pretty sure because, honey, when I was like 25, I like saved up like $400 so I could buy like the Cape Blanchett like case of SK2 yeah. waters. And when I opened the box and saw the ingredients, I was like, I'm not opening it anymore. I got to yeah. go. The thing about skincare is a lot of it is just marketing. You know, a lot of those really expensive brands are just the good moisturizers. Oh, uh, yeah. It has methylparaben. Yeah, but parabens are in a lot of things. So it's kind of in that category of we're not. You know, we don't really have good data to show that it's harmful, but there are things in Europe that they regulate that I think they should regulate more here. Like one of the big ones is nickel and cosmetics. Mm. So nickel is the most common contact allergen. So uh, but it's in all of our mascara and eyeshadow, especially the shimmery ones or like shimmery highlighters. So in nick- in Europe, they regulate the amount of nickel in cosmetics, but they don't here. And because of trade secret laws, we don't even know what's in our products unless we ask the company so um that that's always a problem you know yeah especially for like eyelid eczema and stuff like that oh oh i think nickel is like one of the worst things because my friend basically um he looks like he has like some sort of like contact dermatitis it almost looks like he has like psoriasis like it looks like my has but in like in his hairline like after you use like this like one product like is that like a contacty dermatitis like eczema thing is that a thing mm-hmm. yeah um there's definitely things that could be in hair products or hair color 
Like especially the jet black hair color, there's a prod, uh, there's a chemical called PPD, phenylalanine, yes. and that's what is the most common allergic I have a reaction who's to crazy uh, allergic to this to PPD. Yeah, and it's 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 in most hair color, but it's in the highest concentration in the jet black. Um, so what about like icing a sunburn? Does that help? Because it's anti-inflammatory yeah, or something? Yeah, if it feels good, it's fine. So then what about, like, if you get a sunburn or, like, if you were someone who, like, spent a lot of time, like, in the sun as a kid, like, you were, like, a swimmer or whatever, is it just kind of, like, taking pictures of any molds or freckles on a consistent basis for screening is, like, the best way to stay yeah, ahead of it? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, it's if you've had a lot of sun damage or if you have a family history or any risk factors, then it's good to come see a dermatologist, get checked. But you can track your own moles. Um, there's an app from OHSU out of Oregon Health Science University, and they um, have an app where you can actually track your own moles. Now, there are other apps that are not good that will diagnose, you know, the small is good or bad. And those are shown to not be good. So like, don't a mole trust that. to track your, I mean, an app to track your moles is good, but an app that's going to claim to diagnose, I wouldn't trust that. That's, At least for now, maybe someday. That's really good feedback. I, I love that. And I appreciate that. Okay. We're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to be back with like a really cheerful subject. Darling. I was on a vacation recently and stayed at an Airbnb, and then I realized that while I was away, my empty house could be making money, honey. If you're someone like me that is busy and not home all the time, your home could be an Airbnb, and it's actually pretty simple to get started. Even if you don't have a whole house, you could start with just a spare room. Personally, I really enjoy staying at Airbnbs. I really do. I love a good Airbnb. Who is that? Come back, British you. And it really is a great way to like support local economy and support local people. So Airbnb is fabulous. And I know I was doing my British voice earlier, but we love Airbnb. So think about what you could do with some extra cash. Whether you're looking to treat yourself to something nice, like a shopping spree or a spa day, or start a whole side hustle, Airbnb can help you be that person. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Jonathan Van Ness. Americans United for Separation of Church and State defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose, so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms like abortion rights, marriage equality, public education, and even American democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs. Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU at au.org slash curious. Welcome back to Getting Curious. It's Jonathan Maness. We have Dr. Emily Newsom. She's a dermatologist at UCLA. And now I want to talk about skin cancer. <laughs> Not that exciting of a topic. It's actually kind of dev. Um, so what are the different types of skin cancer? Okay, great question. So it kind of, the most common types kind of fall into two categories. There's melanoma and then the non-melanoma skin cancers. So as far as non-melanoma skin cancer, basal cell carcinoma is the most common or BCC. And then squamous cell carcinoma is the second most common. And then melanoma is the third most common, but is the most aggressive and life threatening you know, potentially life-threatening. But um, even, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, it's skin cancer is not a big deal because the basal cell 
while it's it's very common and it's usually not life threatening, but it can lead to disfiguring. You know, it's usually on the face and areas that are sun exposed, so it can lead to disfiguring scars and it can lead to some pretty big problems. So it's not something you want to really take lightly. How do like basal cell and squamous cell mm -hmm. like start? They, it's basically like what we we're seeing from the UV, the accumulation of UV over time, it damages the DNA. But if like you're someone who has it, like you, does it start as like oh, a little red yeah. pimple? Does it start as like a... Yeah, exactly. Like a red pimple, a pimple that doesn't heal for months, that keeps growing. Sometimes it, it bleeds or sometimes it kind of heals, but then it comes right back in the same spot. So anything like... A spot of eczema or psoriasis or a pimple should heal at some point. If it just keeps coming back in the same spot, then you want to come get it checked. And usually the basal cell and squamous cell are more pink. They can be pigmented. Do they like, look the same, basal and squamous, kind of? Like they uh, can be like pink or red -ish? Similar, yeah. Squamous cell tend to be a little more scaly and basal cell are more pearly. Oh. But not always. So a lot of times, even when I do a biopsy, I don't know which one it is. Will you ever kind of like guess in your head, like, oh, this like feels kind of squamousy to me. Mm -hmm. And then, but then sometimes you but are then, surprised. Yeah, yeah. Does something ever seem squamousy, but then it's melanoma? Yeah. So there's a really scary type of melanoma called amelanotic melanoma, which is melanoma that isn't pigmented. So it just looks like a pink patch, like a pink patch of eczema or a pink mole. And that's like the... That's a, that's the one that keeps us up at night. <laughs> because that one is more aggressive than normal. It's hard to detect. It's just, it doesn't look like much. Got it. And so most melanomas are actually brown. Most are brown, yeah. And that's the one that, like, you need to look for, like, ridges or, like, raised edges or, like, discoloration in the... Yeah, so we talk about the A, B, C, D, E's. So the most important is the E, which is evolving or change. But the A is for asymmetry. B is border, so irregular, fuzzy borders. And we're talking about moles and freckles here. Yeah, we're right? talking about moles. Uh, C is Do freckles for count too? Um, they can. There is a type of melanoma called lentico-malignant melanoma that derives from those kind of sun freckles, the bigger freckles. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have those when I get in the sun. The Yeah, like the bigger ones that stay are called are lentigo, but the little tiny freckles that you get. And then they go away because I feel like I don't have like the big ones that stay. No, oh my god, no. we're gonna have to do like a full consultation after this. I hope you have time. I, I'll pay whatever. Anything. Do you take Venmo? <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, you gotta look at my face. I'm just kidding. No, you gotta look at it. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm not. Just kidding. Ugh. So, okay, so those kind of look the same. And then melanoma is the most dangerous. Yeah, melanoma is, you know, it if it's caught early, it's it's easily treated, it has a good prognosis. But when it's caught later, when it, it can spread to the lymph nodes and to other organs to the liver, to the brain, and it can be life-threatening. And is that, is early detection again for that kind of just like very paramount? Yeah, so you, you know, like I was saying the ABCDEs, like I was saying C is color, which is multiple colors or very dark color. D is diameter, so if it's larger than about a pencil eraser size, which is about five millimeters. So especially larger moles. Or we also talk about the ugly duckling sign, which is the mole that just kind of stands out, doesn't look like the others. Oh. Um, that's the one that kind of catches our eye. That's the one that we might check. Um, but really, change is the biggest thing. So, you know, your moles can change a little bit, like in pregnancy or um, even up to like about, in, even in your 20s, up to about 30. But... Um, 
any mold that's changing, growing, that's kind of the biggest concern. And then what do, like, general care doctors, should you go straight to a dermatologist, get a referral? Like, what do you do if you're worried about it? Um, yeah, usually you could talk to your primary care doctor first and they could look at it and then they'll refer you, um, depending. So like in dermatology, do you like, cause like you're in a clinic at UCLA. Yes. So like, what is like a day in the life of you? Oh, good question. So I do a little bit of everything. So like one day a week is I do most surgery, which is skin cancer removal. So I just remove skin cancer all day. And then one day a week I do cosmetic dermatology where I'm doing, you know, like lasers and fillers and, um, Botox and all that stuff. And then um, the other days I do general dermatology. So I'm seeing rashes like psoriasis. I'm seeing teenagers with acne, but then I'm also doing a lot of skin checks and looking for skin cancer or seeing my patients that, you know, once you get a skin cancer, you tend to get more. Oh, is that so a thing? I have a lot of patients that, you know, are coming back regularly to look for more skin cancers. What do you think are the most like misdiagnosed skin things? Oh, because okay. like my psoriasis, it took me like five doctors to figure out like what it was. Like first it was like, because I've been vegan for like four years. So like the first, when I first like had a flare up, um, the first doctor was like, oh, it's, you're eating meat now. So your skin's having like an allergic reaction to like meat and dairy. So he's like, just take Benadryl. So I took Benadryl for like three weeks and I just kept like Aww. having this really like itchy, flaky, like awful, like psoriatic like outbreak. Then I was like, well, it all started from a cut. Cause like I got like this like scrape on my side and the scrape mm. turned into psoriasis. So then the second dermatologist was like, oh, that cut was actually a bacterial infection. Now like your skin's like a big old Petri dish for like this, you must've gotten a bacterial infection. So then he put me on doxycycline and I had like such a like sour, upset stomach for like a month, oh, but it yeah. just kept spreading and getting worse. Then the third guy was like, honestly, I have no idea what this is. Never seen anything like it. Good luck. And then the fourth guy was like, well, that's just a classic case of gut hate psoriasis. Here's like some <laughs> steroid oil. And like in three applications, it was gone. Yeah. I mean, it's skin disease is hard. And the thing is, in med school, you don't get a lot of training. So in dermatology, we get, you know, intense training in the skin, but it's very specialized and a lot of times like urgent care, they don't, they don't have very much experience in treating skin. So you went to like med school. Yes. And that's four years. Four years. And that's just like hella biology, cadaver, like chemistry. Yeah. The first two years. Yeah. And then the second two years are um, hospital rotations where you kind of try out every specialty like OBGYN and internal medicine, pediatric. But is dermatology one of the residencies that you, or one uh, of the stations or whatever? That's like an elective. So not everyone in med school does it. Did so, you do it then? Yeah. 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 So that is that where you kind of figured out that like, that's what you wanted to do? Mm -hmm. like yeah. With, that's yeah. very cool. So like, and, but for a lot of doctors that like are general practitioners or like OBGYNs or just like a typical doctor, like would, how many hours would you say in like the four years of your first time, if you had not taken that scan elective, the dermatology yeah, elective, would you have they spent don't on? get a lot. I mean, we, I'm involved in the course at UCLA and it's only like a two week course. And our skin is our biggest organ, isn't it? It just got downgraded to the second biggest. From who? Who took our crown? It's a new organ. Oh, yeah. What is it? The interstitium. Which is the... That's kind of like all the connective tissue in between the organs. Right. The interstitium. That interstitium. She we came for our crown. Down. Is she kind of... A, does she look like it's a like fascia? Pluto. 
Ah, she is the Pluto of, of Oregon. Yeah. But is she like a, is she like the white fascist the fascia and just everything in between. Ew, interested them. Yeah. Who t- does that? They, they trumped us. They took us. But so, but it's the second biggest organ. Second, but it, It's still a very big organ. <laughs> but presumably, you know, I mean, it has a lot of interaction with how it lets things into, because if something gets into your bloodstream, doesn't that mean that it would get to like, say your like kidney or your liver or something if it's in your bloodstream? Yeah. I mean, our skin, it's such an interesting organ because it's our protection from the outer world. So it's an immune system. It's our protection. It's uh, what... A lot of our sensation and our, the way we communicate is through touch and through our skin, the way we interpret the world. So there's so many properties to skin. And then this is like I got to interview Aaron Brockovich and I was like, it really blew my mind. But I was think we were talking about like the EPA and then like mm. the FDA, because like you have the Food and Drug Administration, which, you know, is like for, you know, FDA and then the EPA, which is like environmental. Mm-hmm. But like there's kind of an inter a crossover there because, you know, the EPA, if they decide to let like, you know, ozone, uh, ozone depleting like chemicals into the air or, you know, that would affect like our ability to like, protect our skin from damaging like sun rays. If like we mm-hmm. deplete the ozone layer. Um, also, like with sunscreens, you know, we're seeing like in like Hawaii, they just banned. I think mm-hmm. they just banned like, do you know about this? Yeah. Yeah. What was that whole thing? They banned oxybenzone and another one. Um, they banned two chemical sunscreens, which in my opinion is unfortunate. And I've looked at the studies. It was a small study and it was done in a lab. It wasn't shown actually like in the ocean. And there's a lot of reasons for the coral dying. I mean, there's there's rising ocean temperatures. There's I mean, not only the coral are dying, a lot of the ocean is dying. So I think there's other factors and we should look into the role of sunscreen. But again, my fear with that is I think that the legislatures in Hawaii acted a little bit too quickly to actually ban it because our concern in in my field and the American Academy of Dermatology has has had statements on this and on the absorption study. But basically, our concern is that we don't want to limit access uh, because we know how damaging the UV is to our skin and we we're seeing an epidemic of melanoma and skin cancer. So we don't want to, we don't want to be too quick to limit our access to these, you know, factors. It it just reminds me of like, like coming, you know, in the last year, like learning to manage, like, you know, my podcast and my stand up comedy and then how that works with like my book stuff. And then like managing like the intersection of a lot of like my pieces of business is like what's really hard to coordinate. But it mm-hmm. seems like when it comes to um, like skin and water, like those pieces of our health and our wellness, there is an intersection with like our environment. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just, I just wish that we had like a manager, you know, it's like the agents are <laughs> so good at like getting you the job, but then like coordinating all of it is like, it's just difficult. Cause it does seem like the people in Hawaii and the legislatures there like have seen, there's a very clear like issue with their coral and like the depletion of, it. and obviously right, there's right. like a lot of things that I'm sure that people are just like wanting to protect. Like yeah, their- and we should, we should want to protect our environment. And that is important. But you know, for instance, I met a girl from Hawaii the other day and she's saying, you know, I'm a horseback rider and I don't even go in the ocean and I can't get my sunscreen. That's like the sunscreen. Could, could she like use. Amazon it though? And then just like keep it in yeah, like a she, clutch box and not let anybody find to, it. Like, stock up while she's on the mainland. So, you know, a lot of people in Hawaii aren't necessarily going in the ocean. Right. And then they they are limited by access. Oh, yeah, that's you know? true. Much so interest. even if it does damage the coral, 
what if you want to use it, you know, just for horseback riding or and golfing to, or yeah. sitting at the pool? Or, yeah, it's just interesting. I just feel like it's like a, it's like, there's just like, it feels like there's like a little bit of a blind spot. And then back, not to you, just in general. And then back to um, the dermatology thing, uh, the, germ- the whole thing about dermatology. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it's, cause really like you have like half well, because, like, some of it's, like, for, you know, working with, like, confidence and, like, dealing with, like, refinements and, like, people's, yeah. like, literal look. And then other bits of it are, like, more, like, cancer screening and and all that, which is, like, it's, you just have to wear a lot of hats. That's what I love about it. I love kind of the mixture, you know, I love, cosmetic dermatology is different. It's more about wellness and improving skin health and making you feel good, you know, kind of like your field. And it's really fun because you're not just focusing on disease. So that's what I like about it. But then I really find it rewarding to treat skin cancer, too. So I like kind of mixing it up. But that's just how I am. I like the kind of fast pace and I was just doing different things. I was just thinking, like, for, like, the homeless community in Los Angeles, like, being exposed to, like, a lot of sun, like, like mm. not able to, like, maybe afford. And then that just made me think about, like, people that, like, don't have access to health care or like maybe you're uninsured if you're worried or if that is you, like where is a place that you could go if you were like fearful that you had? Oh, well, we have a Venice family clinic where our UCLA um, faculty volunteer at. So, you know, there are options. Um, There's county hospitals like all of you and um, UCLA Harbor. So there are resources. If you like, so if you're uninsured and you're worried about something on your skin, get it checked out. Like where there's a will, there's a way is what I hear you say. Yeah, and you know it's it's worth it. It's your it's your health, so you should take it seriously. So we've come to the part in the podcast where um it's been like forty minutes. So it's like, you, do you ever go to yoga? Yes, I love okay. yoga. So this is basically like yogi recess, but in the podcast. Like if there's anything about skin that like we really should have talked about, but I just could not stop talking about like God knows what. Um, we can totally hit that now. Or any projects that you're excited about, or any like new skincare legislation that's coming around the corner that you're keeping your eyes on. Or do you have any endorsements for 2020? Whatever. Like anything you want to say, you got the floor. <laughs> Gosh, there's so many things. Um, I was trying to think about some of the other questions you asked me that I didn't get to, like about um, common mimickers of skin cancer or misdiagnosed. So there's something that I see all the time called seborrheic keratosis, which are just kind of brown growths or sometimes they're tan or skin colored on the skin. We start to get them in our 30s and 40s and I get seen for them all the time. And they're not dangerous. They don't go by the same ABCD rules uh, for melanoma. So that's one that I was thinking about. And then as far as what else? Just, you know, skin cancer is, it's a real thing. It can be deadly. And even if it's not deadly, it can be disfiguring. And even if you think when I'm 70, I won't care what I look like. Like you do. 70 year olds care. Yeah. They don't want to have a big hole in their face. No. You won't want to. Like you'll think you won't care later, but you really will. And so you can just put in the effort now, especially for younger people or really anyone with a life expectancy longer than, you know, a decade or two. You should really focus on protecting your skin because it's so important. And our culture has a disconnect where we we see tans as healthy. It's not healthy. A tan is your skin like desperately trying to protect itself from DNA mutating UV rays. So then like on that note, as we leave uh, protections, do you think like window tinting like for the UVA Mm -hmm. ones? Does that work? Yeah, there's actually clear UVA filters that you can get installed. So that way it's compliant with the law. And do you believe 
like those um, work. Yeah. Yeah. I see so many more skin cancers on the left side of the face and the left arm from just driving. Interest. So, yeah, where you can have sun sleeves in your car or put sunscreen on. Don't forget your forearms and, you know, especially the left side, left ear, left face. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So sunscreens in the car. Physical barriers, seek shelter, do both, do like use all do of our all. tools. Yeah, use all of our tools. <laughs> Dr. Emily Newsom, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was dermatologist Dr. Emily Newsom. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend and please show them how to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter for more Curious with JVN content at Curious with JVN. Our socials are run and curated by Emily Bosick. Our editor is Andrew Carson and our transcriptionist is Alita Vuncha. Getting Curious is produced by me, Erica Ghetto, and Emily Bosick. 